shut your yeah. What's going on, everybody? What's happening, Andrew everybody? Andrew McClutchin. This is Backstreet Sports. Alongside Chris Thax. We got it. Tanner Gills, T. Yes, sir. I'm What's Max James. On? Happy to be here with you on Thursday, June 13th. And a day in which the Phillies, for the first time since April 25th, are not in first place anymore. <sighs> oh, no! Now currently one game behind the Atlanta Braves for first place in the NL East. Guys, we're just not playing our best baseball lately. Um, we'll dive into the Phillies shortly. Uh, Eagles talk. Carson Wentz gets an extension. NBA Finals. Kevin Durant's Achilles tear, obviously. He's going to be out for an extended period of time. We'll get to, to some side notes. David Ortiz gets shot in the Dominican Republic. Uh, we got the U.S. Open today at Pebble Beach. Brooks Kepka looking for three straight U.S. Opens. Stan- the Stanley Cup final last night, Game 7. St. Louis Blues. The first time in 51 years. And also, just a, another side note here, the U.S. Women's National Team wins 13 and nothing in their opening round. Ooh, yeah! So let's go to it right now. Phillies, 38-30 and 30 overall record, now one game behind the Atlanta Braves. Um, as I said, first time since April 25th. Um, just, I think what I want to start with is Jared Eikhoff. The first point <laughs> I want to make here. Um, obviously, his start. What's the problem now? On Monday night wasn't the best, to say the least. And he's not going to be making his next scheduled start, which would have been this weekend in Atlanta. There's no name that has been announced yet. So, first question I want to ask is who's, in your guys' opinion, who should take his spot in the rotation? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a really good question, well, Max. I wish I had the answer for. Uh, but. Yeah, to answer your question, T, you know, what's the problem now? I agree. He they, he wasn't pitching with baseballs. He was pitching with beach balls. Mm. And, you know, every pitch he was throwing was heading out 400 feet past home plate. Mm. And uh, how about that game? A record for most home runs in a single MLB game. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I sent the text to the group message after the third home run. Yep, next guy going to double A. You know, put, and it might be good for him because it looks like it lit a fire under Nick Pavetta because he he went. A it's about nine. damn time. He went a full nine his last start. Uh, but as for to answer your question, uh, so we got Pavetta on the mound tomorrow, and then Nola Saturday, and it still says to be determined on Sunday. That I'm assuming that's when Eikhoff was scheduled to start. Correct. I, <laughs> I mean, do you just do what you did with Jose Alvarez like a week ago like and, the you opener. Start, and you start a reliever? Yeah. Because uh, I can't really uh, – do you call up Cole Irvin again? I I, I don't know. I mm. I really don't know. Uh, uh, when do you guys take it? <laughs> well, Cole Irvin, his last two starts were a little shaky. He's only pitched four and three innings. Um, I'll be a while still being a kid. Yeah, I, I don't really have a problem with Cole Irvin. I think he still needs to prove himself. And I, after seeing his first start, we know how good he can be. And um, just like T said, he is still a kid. So I think maybe maybe another shot. Honestly, I would. <laughs> honestly, I would I would go with Cole, only because like I said, he's a he's a kid, and I think I still think he has more to prove. <coughs> And we've seen the track record with everybody else. We've seen what everybody else can do. I mean, who else is there? Because at this point, it's, you're, not, you're not going into free agency looking for somebody, and there's not really out there, out, anybody out there in free agency. Um, it's going to be expensive to bring somebody else in, and then you're going to have to give up a top-end prospect, which we're not exactly prepared to do. So, I mean, what else is there? you got to go with the young guy. you got to keep trying him. That's the only option you really have. The, the only other thing I can think of without, you know, going out and getting another guy or bringing up Cole Irvin is uh, if you rest him in the bullpen for a couple of days, Vince Velasquez. He just you, pitched last night. I know. For an inning. I know. Yeah. If, if uh, It's only one inning. If you give him – he's off today. You give If he, the pitching is good enough to give him off tomorrow and Saturday, maybe he can start Sunday. That, that's the only other option I can see. Yeah, look, the way I look at it is we got four guys, in my opinion, that I'm okay with. Eflin's been great this season. I have confidence in him. Pavetta came back, and he's been lights out. And then Arietta is a veteran guy that I'm confident in if he has to start a playoff game. And Nola's still 
you know, figuring things out for the most part. So if obviously this weekend on short term notice, we're not going to be able to get a player via trade. But I think if we can before the deadline, and I'm not talking about a Madison Bumgarner, just, you know, maybe like a Mike Miner, somebody that, you know, you can count on or rely on a veteran guy who's been around for a long time, maybe has some postseason experience and, you know, kind of get one starter in here to fill out this rotation because right now the fifth spot is basically up for grabs and no one's really latching onto it. So I think if we can get one starter before the deadline, and it does, again, like I said, it doesn't have to be a superstar, just somebody that we can kind of count on for consistency, I think that would help. Also, Aduba Rai Ramos just got activated off the IL, so finally we get a bullpen arm back in the bullpen. Um, Pat Neshek and Adam Morgan, hopefully within the next week or two, they should be back as well. Um, and it comes at a good time. You know, we got three in Atlanta this weekend. The first place Braves, um, which is going to be a tough series. And then after that, we go to Washington for four games. The next 20-plus games are actually division games because I know we just came off this big stretch of games where we faced non-division opponents. Mm-hmm. But now we have that big stretch coming up against division opponents. Uh, one stat I saw yesterday when I was, you know, going through Twitter, the Phillies, when they score four or more runs this season – they're 34 and 6. They have a 34 and 6 record when they score four or more runs. When they score three or less runs, they're 4 and 24. So, four is the magic number. If we can Now last night we scored zero, but um, so obviously you're not going to win any game scoring zero, but the magic number It's stupid. We, we can score four or more runs. It looks like, you know, 34 and 6 record, we got a great chance to win. My next question is going to be about the top of the lineup. Cesar's obviously struggling. We've seen that now for Basically, since Andrew McCutcheon went down. I mean, he, he was looking hot in the month of May in that five, six, seven hole, that area of the lineup. Then he gets moved to this the top of the lineup, and he struggled. So, basically, if you had to pick a player right now, I know we have Roman Quinn come off the DL soon, hopefully. Um, who are you guys looking to fill that role? Do you keep Cesar there? Maybe he gets out of it. Do you put, like, a hot bat like Scott Kingery up in the top of the lineup? What do you guys think? Well, now you're not in a stretch this now. Start experimenting. Like you said, we got some division games coming up, and now this ain't the time to start, you know, playing around with the lineup at this point. You want to have your lineup completely finalized at this point. Um, I'm going to suggest something that we said last week, and I completely agree with what Chris said, and that was to put JT Real Muto at the starter, at at the um, one spot, because he's been your most consistent hitter. He's been He's been clutch in a lot of situations. And, frankly, you really don't have a whole lot else um, in your lineup. Um, I wouldn't put Scott Kingery there because of his youth. But my suggestion would be JT Real Muto. JT is not a bad bet. I know a lot of people may be against that just because he doesn't have the speed. He's never been a leadoff hitter before in his career. But he's a true professional. So, but what you're looking for, like at that one spot, it's not just necess- you're not just looking for speed. You're looking for consistency hitting. You're looking for patience, and those are the things that you know sometimes get overlooked. The first thing we want to look at is, you know, is he a speedy guy? Can he steal the bases? But you also look at, can he work that count against the pitcher? Is he patient? Is he going to swing at the first thing that he sees? Right. Is he going to play mind games with the pitcher a little bit? Like, does he understand his assignment? That's one of the main responsibilities of being the number one hitter in the lineup, not just having speed. So, yes, while JT Real Muto doesn't necessarily have the speed that we're looking for, um, he can still add value with his um, at, at bat presence. I appreciate you giving me props for yeah, saying it, JT Real Muto it, should be at it, the top of the lineup. but It don't happen often. That was actually, you know, Max's suggestion. But, it, you know... I just I will I, take credit. We're on the same page here. Okay, are page. we? Are we? Yeah, because last week I did say Scott Kingery just because, you know, I'm crazy and he has a hot bat right now. But when you really step back and you try to look at the whole picture, I don't think it's a good idea to put Scott Kingery up there. I mean, of everybody we have available to us on this team, JT does seem like the right guy, for now at least. Because... Ever it's been I feel like it's been since that Dodger series that Cesar's gone this uh, cold streak. I forget the numbers that Tom McCarthy said, but Cesar's four for his last forty some at bats. He yeah, has he been struggled. really cold. He has not been getting on base a whole lot. Uh and yeah, JT has been 
other than Segura, I would say JT has probably been the most consistent batter on this team. Uh, I don't think it would hurt to experiment with. I know you said it's not a time for experimenting, but it, it is an experiment because you don't know. And uh, I mean, the only other guy I would m- maybe put up there is Gene. But then again, like you said, Gene is not exactly a patient hitter. See, that's Correct. my only thing with Gene. Yeah, and because yeah, you really do got to work the count as, as, as a leadoff guy. Um, I mean, I, I know we keep talking about maybe you know we could get a cheap guy out there for something, but right now, as far as making trades, I'm much more concerned about the pitching. Um, I, I just honestly hope that Cesar can figure this out because. Typically, he has been a average to pretty good leadoff guy. Uh, he's just in a cold streak in this past week and a half, two weeks. Um, but as of right now, maybe to light a fire under him, maybe you should put him back to the seventh hole mm-hmm. in the lineup. Uh, I I like Gene as leading off because he did at one point have the highest on-base percentage, and I think that's good to start off a game. You want those guys to to continue what they see in front of them. And, uh, yeah, I like Gene leading off. And also, I I don't know if they'll they'll do it, but I'd, I'd like to see um, maybe Bruce down at the five spot still. Um, because him and JT, JT is on the five spot. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes Bruce is in sixth. And then yesterday, what was he, third? And third? Well, they did that because they gave yeah, Harper, Harper the night the off. off. But I, I, I said this earlier. I like Harper batting too because I feel like he's the most confident when he's batting at the two, and most successful. So there's a lot of things that I think that they could do to change the lineup and make this a better team. The thing that I'll say about the Segura thing, um, and again, he's a great hitter. The only problem is he doesn't really walk a lot. And he's really aggressive. He doesn't see a lot of pitches. One thing Andrew McCutcheon was great at, even though his average wasn't that high, was the fact that he took a lot of pitches to start the count, especially to start off the game. Um, I really think the way our lineup was producing runs before the McCutcheon injury happened um, was pretty consistent up and down the lineup. Now, obviously, McCutcheon gets hurt, and Gabe has to make some changes. You know, he started out by putting Harper in the two-hole. Segura went to the three-spot. Um, and that hasn't made much of a difference. Cesar gets taken out of the sixth spot and gets moved up to the, the number one spot, the leadoff spot in the order. So my thing would be, yeah, JT would be fine, even though many people probably wouldn't agree with it outside of this room. <clears throat> but I think once one thing I would suggest is Roman Quinn when he gets healthy. He's he's had leadoff experience, experience in the past. He's got speed at the top of the lineup. The one thing that he hasn't been able to do throughout his career is stay healthy. So I think when he gets off the injured list, if you plug him into the leadoff spot and everybody kind of fills back into their normal role, I would even consider moving Harper back to the three spot and put Gene at number two because Gene struggled. He's not struggled, but he hasn't been you know as productive as he was early on in the season lately. Mm-hmm. And I think he was really you know playing well and you know hitting well out of the two spot. So I think if you were to move him back to the two spot, Harper back to the three, take Cesar out of the one spot, put him back down at six, kind of stretch the lineup a little bit. And hopefully Roman Quinn, he's been playing well in his rehab assignment or during his rehab assignment in the minor leagues. Obviously, he hasn't played major league ball in a long time. But if you can get him healthy and he can give you something at the top of the lineup, even, you know, just get on base, maybe steal a base. And, you know, guys, we haven't talked about it much, but we don't steal bases. My, like, my, my th- I'm sorry, sorry. Just yeah. my thing with Roman Quinn, because I made the suggestion when it was preseason to try him out at the leadoff spot, and of course he gets injured again. Uh, last year when he was up with the team, he was a really good base runner when he got on base. And that's the thing, when he got on base. I think he was in the preseason when he was, when he was in the lineup, he was batting well under 200. That's my thing with Roman like, I don't know where his contact is, especially right now, because he has been injured since the start of the season. Um, it's certainly, in a perfect world, he would be my leadoff guy because he has that speed, and I would like to think he has the contact ability of, like, a D. Gordon or something. That That's my only concern with, with Roman is his ability to put the bat on the ball yeah, and to draw walks. He's, he's you know, 
previously in years past he's been a high a highly touted prospect in our organization so you know he has talent right. it just matters staying healthy um one thing that i didn't mention yet but i want to the fact that scott kingery he's played a serviceable center field but if you can get quinn back out there in center field kingery can move to the, th- the third base position we can get franco out of the lineup because he's struggling so badly that's he's just, batting 206 now which I mean, is crazy how how big of a start he had in the beginning of the season and now all of a sudden he's just dropped off i mean uh, i know i'm the crazy one on the show but did we really think he was going to stay that hot in the eight hole yeah. I, I i didn't really uh i mean i really honestly i thought the way he started out it wasn't just a game or two it was a, a extended it, it, period it of was, time it where was he was a, playing well yeah there was a time where he was leading the team in home runs and rbis and uh yeah listen he only has nine home Would, runs that that it's ridiculous a man with his power he should have more than nine home runs i know he's hitting in the eighth spot but still would you i mean no none of the teams in the league are stupid but would you, if you get Roman Quinn back, you get him healthy, and you know you got Adam Hazley, as you you keep him up here, you know for the long term as a bench guy, do you shop around with Michael Franco? See, the only problem with that is two things. One, no, we're gonna get next to nothing for Franco if we that's, trade him the way he's was, playing right now. That's what I was thinking. Two, I don't really want to mess with Haley's or excuse me Hazley's progress. I think. They want to get him regular ABs. I mean, he's, I don't think they want to use him as a bench piece. They kind of want him to be like an everyday player. He's, you know, the number seven overall pick a couple of years ago. So, you know, those guys aren't, you know, bench bats. And well, I, no. I know, I know, I know what you're saying now because our bench is so thin. You know, Hazley would be an upgrade there. I don't know if the general manager Matt Klintak would go that direction. So, but Sean Rodriguez and Phil Gosselin are giving you next to nothing on the bench. Originally, Jay Bruce was supposed to be that guy until McCutcheon gets hurt. So. I mean, do you then just keep Nick Williams up here? Because he was sent down a little bit ago. Granted, yeah, he did get you know two of the three hits last night. Right, right. Uh, which is so, crazy. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, you're you you are making sense because you know you are the smart one on the show. Um, <laughs> it, it, it does. Smart, it does. We're all it, smart. it does. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it does make sense to send Hazley down. I know. It, it, with me, it's just wishful thinking. Uh, you know, if you have to, if someone puts the decision in front of you who are you sending down to play long term not long term but regular at bats in the in triple a nick williams or adam hazley you're it's going to be adam hazley uh yeah i mean but that's not going to happen till i think roman quinn is 100 percent um you know one thing about nick williams i will say looking at his stats last night because you know he hasn't really done anything this year we haven't we, I mean, we've talked about him, but when we talk about him, it's all negative things. Right. I looked up his career stats. He's he's batting like close to 270 for his career. He had 17 home runs last year. Majority of them coming off the bench for us. Obviously, he hasn't been the same um, player coming off the bench this season. But that, that's why I'm so surprised that so many people are ready to give up on him. He's a young guy who has only one full year of MLB experience. Yeah, I mean, he's we forget still... about it, but he was going to be our opening day right fielder until we signed Bryce Bryce Harper. Harper. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I remember we. <laughs> he's fourteen for seventy-five. Because we were discussing this. Uh, I, 17, uh, seventeen home runs was, last year. That's it, the one thing that's. How many home runs does he have right it, now? It, it was. One. <laughs> it was the well. He's not getting everyday playing time. No, and he's been and up and down in the minors we, a couple were, times. And, and we were hard. talking about this. I think it was the show before the Phillies actually finally signed Bryce Harper. We were talking about the lineup, and you were looking at me crazy when. And don't get me wrong, it is crazy. You put. Nick Williams at the th- number three. Right. But it's like, who else are you going to put there? I mean, you're going to put Hoskins four, or maybe, or who knows? Maybe you put Hoskins three, Williams four. Because right. it's like, well, Williams we're missing. Struggling. Listen, for, for me, for my pers- from my personal experience playing sports growing up, there was a time when, you know, every coach has rotations, and I'm relating this to basketball now, but coach goes through rotations, and basically when you're not getting the playing time that you want, such as I was, during my high school career for a season. I I think that when you're going up to the plate, you try to do too much. Like when I would go out on the court, I would try to do too many. I would I would try to do too much. You know, it's almost like I need to get noticed. I need to do something to get playing time. Nick Williams may feel like he needs to get on base every at bat. He's swinging for the he needs to, you know, he needs to do something to wow the coach or the manager in order to get playing time. And that can mess with a guy's mental focus, you know. So I feel like when we see him struggling up there i know he i know he has we've seen him he he has talent i mean he's been up in the in the major leagues for two three years now so it's not like he doesn't have talent 
Um, I think it could be a mental thing where he's just trying too hard at the plate. He almost he needs to get noticed. He feels like, you know, I don't want to keep getting sent down to AAA. I want to stay in the majors. And on that note, he just really needs to learn how to just play his role. I mean, look, your time's going to come, whether it be with this team or the next team. But if you're thinking like that at the plate, then that's the wrong mentality to approach the plate well, with. I, I don't think that he can help it, though. Because this is another thing. This is another reason why I think Bryce Harper has really dropped off when it comes to his offensive stats. When you compare his stats from 2014, 2015 to now, it has it has severely declined. Now, do you think that's just the pressure of being one of the top three guys in all of baseball? Or do you think it's just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You're shaking your head. The yeah, game's changed. Yeah, Tanner, Tanner's getting pissed. Right? Yeah, but the game's ahead, changed Tanner. with more home runs. I More think guys just hitting the balls. I feel like the, no? the balls. And we were. I was listening to the discussion or this this topic the other day. Something with the balls. I feel like, man, they're just when somebody hits them, they just fly out of the ballpark. Now I don't know if they're doing something with them. Do you think that the, ju- the that they're juiced? Maybe like, they, they juice got, the they balls. Got Tom Brady looking at those baseballs. <laughs> and, and that's a serious question because I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, look. If you look at the stretch of home runs being hit from you know. Even just a couple years ago, like 2010 to now, yeah. I mean, it's skyrocketed. And I don't know if it's because the pl- like you, you can't just look at that and say, oh, they're hitting the weight room a lot more. They're just hitting I, it now. I'm pretty sure last year it was the most home runs ever hit in, ML- in an MLB season. Or was yeah. that the year before? The year before. It was the year before. Where, where Trumbo led the, the freaking yeah. league in home runs. So, Mark Trumbo. <laughs> I don't know. Back back to back to the Nick Williams thing. You, you originally asked, should Nick Williams stay on this team, you know, as a bench player? My my thought would be possibly, depending yeah. on – I mean, when I look at this, if I can get Scott Kingery back to third base in any way and, and get Franco out of the out of the rotation, and I don't know if you want to have – excuse me, have him have a pitch hit appearance here and there, he'll give you probably next to nothing. We've seen that for almost two months now. <clears throat> but I think if we can get Scott Kingery back to third base, Roman Quinn, if see what he gives you when he gets healthy. If you don't or if he doesn't produce for you, go out and try to get – you don't need to get, like I said, a superstar. Just get a guy in there mm-hmm. that has postseason experience or is having a good season, but you know you don't have to give up the whole farm for him. Two, thing, two more things I want to address before we go on to another topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that, I, I, when it comes to baseball, that has always uh, that always gives me a good feeling is guys getting out by contact. And what I mean is, last night, the dude, what's his name? Merrill Kelly? Merrill Kelly. Jeez, 30-year-old rookie. Only five strikeouts. I mean, five strikeouts, yeah, but... You know, I'm seeing like Bryce Harper comes up to pinch hit, and you know it's a fly out. And don't get me wrong, was, it's still he laced an, it. It's, he laced that ball right to center field, hit yeah. hard. Yeah. And it's still an out, but it's not a strikeout. And then like with Michael Franco, I'm pretty sure he did go over three, but all th- yeah, all I three think times Merrill Kelly only had four or five strikeouts. Yeah, he only night. have. So I mean, at least they're making con- contact with the ball. I'm trying to look at you know positive light. Right. You know, it's still not a base hit. Yeah, I know, but it's still making con. It's better than a strikeout. That's almost like it's better than a strikeout. It's almost like the argument that I have with <laughs> pressures versus sacks in football. Like, okay, you put pressure on the quarterback, but you still didn't get the job done because you didn't sack the quarterback. <sighs> the same thing here. I'm sorry, I hear what you're saying. No, but I hear exactly what you're saying about contact. Okay, yes, they're making contact with the ball. Freaking beautiful. They're still getting out. Once upon a time, when I played baseball as a child, I was going through a, a, a big slump. You know, I was like 0 for, 0 for 8 or something. And I was like, oh, my gosh, the past two games, I have nearing to get a hit. And got to make some changes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and guess what? I went up, and I, I, I crushed the ball like three times. All three times, it was a fly out. But I was like, you know what? At least I made contact. And then, you know what? The next game. Two for three. I was like pretty proud of myself. You so you're the reason why all we this have... stuff can relate somehow. We can all relate it. We got some personal stories. What? Can all relate. So you're the reason why we have participation trophies now. In sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's my, like they didn't start it before we were born. Uh, Dude, calm down. I'm just. Saying. And the one last thing I want to address: um, your idea of getting a guy like Mike Miner. I don't hate the idea. The problem is, is uh, the Rangers. Yeah, they are nine games behind in their division, but they are just holding on to that last wild card spot. So they're they're, they're I, playing they're playing well. They're recently. not a team that I don't think is going to be selling right. at least yet. Right. Uh, so I mean I don't, I don't hate the idea, but I don't think... a guy like that though, not like a Madison Bumgarner, even though Mad Bum hasn't had the best season. But if we can just get a number three, a number four in a rotation, you know, even like another like Arietta at this point in his career, not from a couple years ago, I, right. and just now, plug I think, in a guy that you can count on. 
I think it would be more likely that the Giants would look to shop him just because they're dead last they're in the be National League West. They're going to be they, asking for him. Yeah. Which I don't, I mean, we, I don't want to give that up. One, because this year's probably realistically not our season. No, no, not at all. At all. But if we can no, get another starter and fill out our rotation, because the way Eflin, again, eight innings last night, he struck out nine guys. I mean, the guy's been pitching great all season. He only gave up. He pitched two, fine. He only gave up two runs, so there's no reason why that the batting should have been able to. Yeah, and our, been and able our, to pick and him up. you know, just a couple names on this list from the bullpen that are going to get healthy. Obviously, Sir Anthony might need Tommy John, but a couple of guys that are going to come back that have been good for us. Like Nishak's been good in the past. Ramos has been good in the past. Hector Neris for All Star. Okay, now that Hector Neris, like he's been great. So <laughs> now the bullpen. You, now that you mentioned that, I actually have a list of the seven relievers. <laughs> Who we use and their ERAs currently on the team. Suarez, nine. Garcia, 7.36. Davis, five. Velasquez, five as a reliever. Uh, Nicasio, 4.78. <laughs> Hammer, 3.86. Alvarez, 3.7. And Hector Neris, 1.95. Wow, what an ERA. Hector Neris with a 1.95 ERA. And that's not counting the guys. Like, Adam Morgan has an ERA in the low twos. Oh, yeah. We're going to get him back. No, Adam Morgan's been great. Ramos has been good for us in yep. the past. So he, he, we know he's got talent. And Nishak's been good for us in the past, too. So there's three names on this list that I have in front of me that we should be getting back in the next couple weeks. And pair that with Hector Neris. That's four guys towards the back end of the bullpen. Jose Alvarez. Stop Jose, looking at me and smiling. Jose, Al- <laughs> Jose Alvarez hasn't been terrible for us either. So he's a lefty. Jose Alvarez, that means a lefty. He's a, he gives you a different you know, perspective. You know, a lot of teams may only have one good lefty in our bullpen. We could have two if we can get Morgan back healthy. Um, and then hopefully Robertson, and then that will give us five or six guys. I keep forgetting that we have David Robertson, honestly. Hopefully, hopefully we can get him back soon. One thing I want to point out, because I wanted to ask Tanner this thing. Reese Hoskins at the plate been so consistent all season long. You look at his stats, they don't change. But recently he's been just he's popping out a lot. So I just want to know, or I want to know from you, him being your favorite Philly and all, what have you seen from Reese Hoskins that you like this season? And what have you seen, I should say, this recent stretch? And what have you seen that he, he you think he can improve on a little bit? Well, I do think Reese is the best player on the Phillies. Um... But recently, I haven't really seen. When was the last time he hit a home run? It's been like it's, 13, it's been a while. Yeah. It's, it's been a while for Reese. But he's popping out a lot. I'm, I'm just seeing he, he almost like he's trying to hit a home run, but he just keeps uppercutting his swing. Nice. Yeah, maybe he, he just needs getting... to go back and just look at his swing and see what he can change by the help of the trainers or anyone on the staff and uh, a lot just of work pe- on it. A lot of people are going after our hitting coach for our offense being so weak. John Maley, our hitting coach, yeah, a lot but, of the radio yeah, shows. Yeah, but look, how, look at how we were hitting in the beginning of the season. You can't necessarily blame that on the hitting coach at this point. Bring it's, back Matt Stairs. I think maybe a slump is contagious on this team, and I think maybe that's what's going on. I know this isn't necessary. Sorry, Tanner. I, no, you go. I'm you got really, something important I am to say. really bad yeah. at interrupting you guys nah, i'm dude, sorry yeah, we can get a quick no. thing we got two minutes for this topic here no right? okay no um i know this isn't exactly a positive comparison considering the way we just talked about him but i feel like this is very similar to like michael franco and his problems with swinging the bat you know mm-hmm. uh, i just reese is a much better player than michael franco granted he is but I, I that's that looking at him at the plate it's reminding me a lot of what michael franco went through Two three years ago, mm-hmm. even last well last year meh, and this year meh, right. but I don't know. I think he just has to figure it out. Yeah, uh, if you look at the numbers, what I personally do is you look at the 300, 400, 500, the three hundred average, the four hundred on base percentage, and the five hundred slugging. Reese Hoskins has been covering or checking all those boxes basically the whole season. He's been right around all those all those numbers, yeah. which are all great. And our whole lineup, when I was you know looking at it, they're all pretty consistent. You know the averages are okay. Cesar. JT, you look up and down the lineup. Those guys have pretty solid averages. They're on base percentages, okay. They're slugging, you know, back and forth depending on what they hit for power. So when you look up in this lineup, they got the stats that show you that they can produce at the plate. They just haven't been lately. And hopefully next Thursday when we're sitting back here after the Atlanta series, after the Washington series, mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, we turn things around because these division games are important. I know it's June, but when we're sitting here in August looking back on man, hopefully <laughs> – you know, I, man, I wish we could have won this game. Or I wish we could have tried harder here, or played better here. So, at the end of the day, hey, Phillies is all. Enough is enough. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. All right, hopefully we can get a, a series, a couple of series wins. 
in the next two series against the the Braves and the Nats. But now let's dive into some Eagles talk here. Carson Wentz gets a four-year, $128 million extension. $107 million. Oh, yeah! Guaranteed. Um, I'll start with you, Chris. Me. This works well, for my, in my opinion, for both sides. When you when you first heard this news, what goes through your mind? Um, why couldn't it have happened two hours earlier so we could have talked about it last week? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. but no, it's it's it's, it's about damn time. It's good news. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if there's necessarily enough cap available right now when that contract does hit the books, which it doesn't hit the books until the season after this coming one. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure it's very reassuring for Carson himself just to know that he doesn't have to worry about the stress of a new contract. Yep. Um, I, I don't mind that it's a four-year deal. I really don't. Uh, to, go, to go along with his two years already on yeah, his contract. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, I'm still concerned about his health issues. We, I mean, because we've heavily discussed those as well. Uh, he needs to have a good, full, healthy season. And d- does good, full, healthy season mean a Super Bowl? Not necessarily. It'd be pref- preferable. If he can lead this team to the the playoffs, I'm right there with at you. Least in- I don't. Th- yeah, if he, if we don't win the Super Bowl, obviously it would suck. We're if, screwed. If I'm, I'm looking at this season, like definitely, I want to win the Super Bowl. But the other thing that's right there with the Super Bowl, can Carson Wentz stay healthy? Can and, but can he stay healthy and can he perform in the playoffs? But here's the, because he doesn't have Nick Foles. Here's the reason why he deserves his con. Bring up Nick Foles. <laughs> here's the reason why he's he deserves that contract. First off, he recorded the best third year. Court out of, out of a quarterback in NFL history. All right, did he? Number one highest rating, highest quarterback rating with a one hundred two point two. He had the number one highest completion percentage at sixty nine point six percent, with a minimum of four hundred attempts. He did all this, mind you, coming off of a torn ACL and a broken bone in his back, and he still put up those numbers. That's the reason why he deserves that contract. I'm saying on this, saying all this because I have heard people say, hey. I don't think he deserved that contract. He's injury prone, blah, blah, blah. I just gave you numbers. Now, here's the reason why I like here's the reason why I like the contract. I like the contract because the guaranteed money is up front. And here's what that does in terms of the cap. That eliminates a lot of money off the cap Which is when good. that when that guaranteed money is all the way up front. Now at first it befuddled me. I'm like, why in the world is he getting so much money up front? Then I thought about it. I was like, wait a minute. That's money. That doesn't have to go on the cat. That goes straight in his pocket. That doesn't count against the books. That's perfect. We can still keep signing players. We can still keep re-signing players. We can still bring free agents in. So Howie Roseman didn't exactly, um, he didn't exactly put the Eagles into a bind with this contract. And we still get Carson Wentz for another six years. It's a win-win. I, I, well, I just obviously, did you doubt Howie at all? No, I'm not. Of <laughs> okay. course not. I just don't doubt Howie. I just, t- yeah. I just, I just thought it was hilarious when you were like, "I just threw numbers at you." When last week you're like, "I'm an eye test guy. Screw numbers." That, <laughs> no, you guys want to bring numbers in, so guess what? Yeah. I'm gonna bring numbers. I in. I just couldn't help but laugh. All right, listen. At first, I didn't think we should give Carson this extension. First off, because you, you stated it, injury prone, but. He did throw for over. He played eleven games. Yep. And he threw for over three thousand yards, twenty-one touchdowns, seven interceptions. Um, that sounds good to me. That sounds real good to me. And he did. He didn't play the rest of the six games, or yeah. And um. And still put up the numbers that he yeah. did. And then with this contract that brings him to twenty twenty-four, and he'll be there, and we can. Hopefully, if he doesn't get injured, we can stop worrying about our quarterback position. And we do have other players that are here for three more seasons, like Zach Ertz, Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, Alshon, uh, Malik Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, Nigel Bradham. And it's like I I feel very comfortable with this. This contract made me feel comfortable for many different reasons. And that's what I'm saying. Like you have all, you have your core players locked up, and you have your franchise quarterback locked up. It's a win-win situation, and you can still bring people in as you're getting older, as players are getting older, and players are ready to move on. I mean, hey, listen, this is the this is the price for a franchise quarterback now. Yep. You know, you got to give them a hundred plus million. Um, T, I like the point that you made with the guarantee money up front. 
Um, now, I think the it, one thing about this contract that makes it interesting is that now I'm worried about the other two quarterbacks in the um, that came out with him and what they're going to get. Yeah, Jared, you know, you do. That's a good point you bring up because I saw a stat the other day. You know, we look at Dak Prescott's numbers up and down the board. They're they, they're better than Carson Wentz's in a couple categories. Completion percentage is one of them. Um, so you know, the agent for Dak Prescott can show. You know, look but, at the stats from Carson Wentz compared to Dak. He should be getting more money. But here's the reason why I say you can't necessarily just look at stats. Where did most of those numbers come from with Dak Prescott? Since Dak Prescott came to the Cowboys, he's had an entire team around him from day one. I mean, how honestly, if we were drafted by the Cowboys <laughs> back when... No, thank you. <laughs> back when Carson Wentz and them was drafted, okay, and we played behind a, the wall of China... Okay, we had the wall of China as plus, our offensive Zeke, guard, as our Zeke offensive there. line. You had an all pro in your rookie season. You had an all pro tight end. You had an all pro right receiver, and you had a pretty stout defense. How would you perform? Let's right. be honest. Carson Wentz came in with no right receivers, a so-so offensive line, and a rebuilding defense. And you're still not wrong. Th- you're this not deal wrong. reminds me a lot of the Bryce Harper deal with the guarantee money up front. <laughs> And then the spaced out, you know, average annual, you know, salary or value, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, again, to you, I, I like the point there. I like to see what these other guys get, um, especially Dak Prescott. Um, one thing I want, I do want to address, though, is J- Malcolm Jenkins said he outplayed his contract. I, we all agree that he probably has. But at this point in, you know, training camp, mini camps, all that stuff, do we really want to <coughs> negotiate with him? No, I agree with him. I completely agree. I got some more numbers. Ooh. Now, what's... He is the ninth highest paid safety currently um, in the NFL. Now, here are the safeties that are paid more than him. You have Adrian Amos at $9 million a year. Devin McCourty at $9.5 mil. Harrison Smith at $10.25 mil. LaMarcus Joyner, $10.5 mil. Rashad Jones, 12 mil. Earl Thomas, who just got signed to the Ravens, 13.75 mil. Tyron Matthew, 14 mil. Landon Collins, 14 mil, which I'm not the biggest fan of Landon Collins because he's an in-the-box safety. So why not pay you, him you what he's You could argue that all those doing? names are better than Malcolm Jenkins, though, in my opinion. But did they play as many snaps as Malcolm Jenkins? No, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. The value that Jenkins brings to our team is maybe undervalued at sometimes, you know, because he plays so many snaps. Sometimes, you know, he's the only guy back there last year because we had exactly. so many injuries. So oh. I do agree with what he's saying, but the, the names that you mentioned, they kind of deserve what they have, in my and, opinion. And since 2014, Malcolm Jenkins has played in 80 games where the next highest person that played the next highest games was Devin McCourty at 78. He's played in every single game. He hardly comes off the field. Yeah, he is Mr. Consistent. I've always been in the field of just paying players their just due. I I agree. I think he should be getting paid more. I I think what he brings to this table for for our team is sometimes we look at it and we're like, man, like, okay, we got Malcolm, especially last season, we got Jenkins out there, Malcolm Jenkins out there, and who else? Exactly. Yeah, I feel like the only, like, in my opinion, he's the most important guy on this defense. I think even T said that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only guy who comes close is Fletcher mm-hmm. to me. Um, I also love how uh, versatile he is because, like that Super Bowl year, he played he played a lot at safety, corner, and linebacker. So you, you, he is a very versatile guy, mm-hmm. and the guys seem to love him in the locker room. I know that's you know locker room stuff though. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he's definitely a guy I would like, like to keep around. Okay, uh, I think two things I want to point out right here: Carson Wentz's contract. The four years and 128 million. Uh, compare. I was looking at other comparisons. Like Garoppolo's getting paid like 37 million per year, and Carson, I think, will only be getting paid like 25 million a year. So again, with the average annual salary, stretch stretch it out over that many years, and having the guarantee money up front helps us, like you said, T, with yep. signing players. Yep. The last topic I, I want to talk about for for the Eagles. I'm sorry. The last thing I have here is the positions of weakness. I know we compare this team to 2017, maybe even last year's team with the talent, all kind of around the same. We got different players in here, but we're, we know how we know we're a really good team. We're probably a Super Bowl contending type of team. But when you look at this team, you know, defense, offense, special teams. Is there anywhere you guys point to that you say, man, I wish we had maybe a little bit of an upgrade at this position or that position? I'm going to point to a position that Tanner said some time ago. 
and that was that defensive end. Kicker. Oh. Really? <laughs> what? Really? Come on, stop it. What's the matter with you? What? What's the matter with we you? Why do you say defensive end, T? I say defensive end for the same reasons um, Tanner gave, and that was who do you have behind Derek Barnett, and who do you have on the other end? Yeah, that's true. I mean, the injury possibility scares me because if Barnett, who do you have Barnett goes Graham, down, Graham, Graham. and um, Derek Barnett. Yeah. Because remember, we like to rotate our defensive line. Now, defensive tackles, we are set. Hassan yeah. Bradway, Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, we are set at defensive tackle. But who do you have behind that defensive end? Schwartz doesn't like the blitz ever. You know, we got to get four there. Exactly. So it's going to be tough. These guys are going to be playing a lot of snaps. And, you know, when it only takes one injury Which, for us to way, get in trouble. Growing up seeing Jim Johnson's defense, that disturbs me not blitzing. Like, <laughs> May, I mean, it's hell, it's possible that some of these guys we drafted can take a step forward. I know Josh Sweat, a lot of people are looking at him like, man, he might have to play some meaningful snaps for us. We draft them in choice. the third round, you know, or third or fourth round. So um, I think. If we can get maybe Sharif Miller, I know he's young and, and he's you know he doesn't have his feet under him yet. He's kind of raw. He's a raw talent. Right. But some of these guys may have to step up. They don't have much of a choice but to step up because who else do you have? Yeah. I mean, behind them is Joe Osman. I know everybody's been you know piping him up in OTAs and mini camps, but that doesn't inspire me because I don't physically see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, it, I don't. I don't know who he is. I don't have that much tape on him. Y'all know how I feel about tape, like. And y'all know defensive line, that's one of the positions that I watch very closely. I I care so much about offensive and defensive line. So who who do you have at defensive end behind your first line? You really got three names back there. You have Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, and Vinnie and Curry. Curry. And that's it. Yeah. And even then, Vinnie Curry came off a season where he had a high ankle sprain for the majority of the season, and he only put up two and a half sacks. Yeah. So how productive is he going to be? I just like him. I think he's going to have a solid season based on the fact that he's back in the system that he played well in in 2017. Okay. You can give me that. But that still doesn't ensure confidence in me. Like, I need to physically see. Have you improved from last season? So pessimistic. Ah, shut up. (laughs) Well, a problem we did have before. Shut your yak. Was at cornerback. And hopefully everyone's more healthy than they were last year. But. Who do you? Who are you most confident about in the backfield? Who am I most confident about? Avante Maddox. That's who I'm most confident about. That kid came in, in the secondary or the, or the running back back secondary in the secondary. That kid came in as a fourth round draft pick. First off, he came in and played <laughs> slot corner and did fairly well. Then the Rodney McLeod injury happened, and then he had to play safety, but he played it so seamlessly. He's a natural-born secondary player. And honestly, even though he's going into his second year, you can you can argue with me that he's the best corner that we have on the roster at a second year. Um, I don't want to argue with you because I think it's pretty straightforward that Ronald Darby's our best corner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he'll be back healthy this year, hopefully. Jalen Mills. He pisses me off. Jalen Mills will probably start opposite of Ronald Darby. I mean, let's be honest. He's been he's been here a while. He's got experience coming off an injury. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just a Ronald Darby guy. I think he's a good player. We traded a, a decent amount for him. Okay, let me, let me correct myself. I, I don't hate Ronald Darby. And I don't hate Avante Maddox. I don't hate Ronald Darby. No, no, no. I know you don't. I don't hate Ronald Darby. I like his. He has um, pretty good coverage skills. My only problem with him is he can't tackle to save his life. Hmm. I'm and, worried about Jalen Mills. And in this defense, that's worrisome. Now, the problem with Jalen Mills is he's really out of position. He really shouldn't be playing corner. He should be playing safety. We've addressed that. But for some reason, I don't know why. But I see them starting Jalen Mills and uh, Ronald Darby at the corners, which will be a huge mistake when you have young corners, I think, that can complement each other and play better than those two duo players that you're going to put out there come day one. I just think the coaching staff likes Jalen Mills' size. I, I think so what? he's a six-plus. Six yeah, I know. But we have – we have <laughs> our corners are <laughs> – our corners are well, so, hold on, for six three is not or six two, whatever he is. No, he's six foot. That's it. He's only six feet tall. Yeah, he's only six feet. He's just as tall out. as me. I'm, I'm on the job. All right, um, but I think I hand slapped. If he can be healthy, break. I think he was hurt. He was playing a little. I mean, everybody in football towards the end of the season, especially they start playing hurt. But I think if Jalen Mills can get, you know, healthy, and and he's a guy that can't just play 75 percent. If if he wants to maximize. His skill set, he has to be 100% healthy. The one thing about him, I agree, he should probably be 
be playing safety, but he's not. And I don't know how much confidence I have in him as a starter, but none. <laughs> nope. But hey, you know, you- we got to roll with it. This is what it is. You know, this is what Howie put together and assembled. I still have confidence. I think our offensive score is going to score a ton of points. You you hit the nail around the head. Six foot. Is he six feet? Wow. Yeah. yeah he's taller than that. He's yeah. got thirty career pass deflections too. There you go. There's wow. the uh, Chris. Man, yeah, that's ludicrous. Wow. And one defensive <laughs> touchdown. I remember that one. Yeah, right. I remember that one too. Well, I do think before the trade deadline, we end up trading uh, a cornerback that might be important to us right now, but really? I think something's going to happen. What about Cravion LeBlanc? That's my He's a very that's, prediction. That, that's your trade prediction? Cra- yep. Bl- LeBlanc? Cravion LeBlanc is a very underrated corner. I like his game. I like when he came in um, at the end of the season. And the secondary really started to shape itself. I like his confidence. He's got a lot of confidence. He does. He, plays hard. he has a lot of swagger. Remember, he only, he's the one that got that interception in that Saints game yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that dude's, that dude's got a lot of swagger. He is very he's underrated well player. The, the small guys stepped up a lot in the playoffs when we needed them, too. And I, yeah. And that's how I feel. Like, I feel like your starting corners should be Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas, and you should put, you said, Mix up um, Crevion LeBlanc and Avante Maddox. And we got a lot of guys in that secondary. And, you do. and it's just a matter of who wants to step up and take take the reins. You do. Honestly, that's who I think y'all should start. Period. All right, let's dive into some NBA talk here. Last topic of the day. Game six tonight in Golden State. The Raptors lead 3 2. First question Do the Warriors survive tonight? And do we go to a game seven? Oh, I've been waiting for this topic. Uh, oh, boy. What do we got? What do we got? Real Look quick. Here. Fire away. Fire away. Look here. The Raptors made a huge mistake. Why did the coach call a timeout? Yeah, when 305 they went on left a in the fourth quarter. Zero run. He called a timeout. When Nick you Nurse. called a timeout, you gave the Warriors life. The Warriors are like the Patriots. You do not Ugh. take your foot off their throats. When you are ready, when you want to finish them off, you finish them off. Do not give them a single dose of breath because the minute you do, you messed up. They messed up. They're going to come. Now the Warriors are home. They're going to take it to a game seven. And what's going to happen? I ultimately think the Warriors are going to win, like I said, in game seven. So you think the Warriors win the series in it and three P? Yeah. I think they're going to three P. What about the, you, Tanner? What do you think? The Warriors in seven. Wow. Yes, sir. I, I just, I just please, can't please, see please, please. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I just I like can't. No, <laughs> I didn't finish my sentence. I, oh no! I can't see Golden State losing at home again. I just can't. Um, <sighs> Man, I don't know. I was so confident in the Warriors just taking the series mm-hmm. easily, but the Raptors have not made it easy for the Warriors. No, they have. No, they have not. Uh, but when I watch, I just see the Raptors as a more complete team, so I think I'm switching sides here. I think I'm going Raptors in seven. I think the series ends tonight. I think the Raptors yeah. wrap this thing up tonight. Realistically, I do think the series ends, but... I don't. But listen, Is I you- think it would be, it would be so cool... I'm not a Warriors fan, but it would be so cool to see the Warriors come back from a 3-1 and have that in the history books as well. That would be something crazy. And that would be crazy. But now, I mean, they didn't have they didn't have KD for how how many two rounds? Yep. Um, and so that didn't really affect things up until this series, really. And I do let's since we're on it, let's talk about this KD injury and how. <laughs> They Sorry. they brought him in way too soon. I agree with that. Not way too soon, but a game too soon. And it's just so tragic. It's an outrage. What happened. And this definitely affects his future with other teams, I think. Yeah, you know, when he goes down, we kind of knew it, mm-hmm. obviously. I didn't know it was a, a, an Achilles. I know he was grabbing his Achilles, but he was grabbing his Achilles when he originally got hurt, mm-hmm. and we found out it was just a calf strain. So I figured maybe he just re-aggravated it. Um, he got up kind of the same way, couldn't put any weight on it, was kind of, you know, limping off. So obviously nobody knew until the MRI results came back. And I wanted to ask you guys, was this more of to blame KD himself for, you know, wanting to come back, wanting to three-peat? Or do you think the Warriors were like, you know what, man, we want the three-peat. We need KD out there. And they rushed, maybe they rushed him back a little bit. I think it was both. 
I really do think it's both because no professional athletes like, no, I'll wait it out a little longer. Mm-hmm. When you're in the position where you're on the brink of elimination, I don't think any professional athlete will ever be like, no, I'm going to sit. They're, they, they just have way too much pride. Because right. professional athletes are all – they're different people. Like people say, we just look at them as robots. We don't look at them as people, which is, yeah, kind of sad to say, but I don't think any professional athlete's going to. Yeah, I was Take a seat. I was on the whole side of the Warriors wanting KD back, and they kind of rushed him back until I saw Durant's Instagram post yesterday, and he almost was saying like, you know, I wanted to come back and three peat. Mm-hmm. I know I wasn't one hundred percent, but I wanted to come back and help, you know, my teammates, you know, reach another NBA Finals. So I do agree with you. I think it's it's both sides here. Look, the doctors cleared him, and he said he wanted to play. He knew the risks. T, we talked about this. No sports doctors are smart doctors. They're not. <laughs> but guess what? They cleared them. They sure did. I, now, I'm going to go into another reason why I say the Warriors are going to win, and oh. it's called karma. Now, I'm about to go on Car- a rant. Oh, okay. Now. I am pissed off. I'm about to go on a rant. Let's okay? do it. That was absolutely disgraceful what those Raptors fans did to cheer when Kevin Durant went down. Karma is a you-know-what, and it's going to come back to bite them right in the butt. And what's the painful part going to be? The championship's going to be won in their house, but it's going to be the Warriors hoisting up the trophy. So you think it's going seven? Oh, it's going to go seven. And the Warriors are going to win in, in Toronto. And the Warriors well, are going to win It's a lot on Clay and Steph's back. And, and but the now, reason I say the Warriors are probably, they can't win, is because I saw Steph drop 45, 50 points in game four, three, four, whatever it was. It was three. And they still lost. Yeah. So but that I was mean, just, he can that was just Kurt. He can only do so much. That was just yeah. Kurt. Something that I thought was really surprising, back to the KD injury and his contract and everything, the Warriors were, before he got injured this last time, uh, ready to offer him a long-term contract for being able to opt out at any point. So he was going to be allowed to leave at any point during the contract. They were going to offer him that, but now I don't think they do that. No, I don't think that. Well, here, here's a situation that that I've I've heard and read an article on. Kevin Durant has a 31 million dollar opt in with Golden State this year, but he's already said to I guess reporters or you know sources that it's a last resort for him. So, how many teams or any team specifically do you guys think offer him the max contract? I I, I, don't, I don't think the max is going to be offered for him, but I do think he's still going to get offers because he's still Kevin Durant. Granted, he's probably not going to be able to play until maybe midway or end of the next season around playoff time. But I do think there are teams that are going to pursue him. They're just not going to give him the max. I'm interested to see that because if, if say he's wherever he goes, say that team, probably, it's Golden State, New York, wherever he goes, say they're in a playoff a spot, say they're going into the playoffs, he, had, he wouldn't have picked up a basketball or played a game in almost a year at that point. Would he just, you know, because we – I'm only asking this question because we saw him fight back and want to play even now that he was injured. Do you think – I mean, obviously he would probably want to play if that scenario were to happen next season. But do you think he should just be smart and maybe just sit the whole year out and get healthy for the following season? That would be the smart thing to do. But he it, won't want to. Exactly. Not it's, at all. Exactly. It's the smart thing to do to sit out the entire year because then Kelly's injury, I mean, you don't know how you're going to come back from that. It's a, Basketball's all running and jumping, man. Kobe, Kobe tried to come back from the Achilles injury, and he was never the same. Yeah. He's never the same. After I think I think KD actually went to the same doctor that performed the surgery on Kobe. And Kobe Bryant was never the same. Let me tell you Not after that, New York is going to be scary next season. Now, now why do you say that? Uh, so we got the Nets looking for big guys. Kyrie, yeah, Kyrie, that. he's signing with Jay Z's agency, I, so he's going to New York, mm-hmm. no doubt. But we just don't know which one yet. Yeah, um, I think he would be more interested. The Knicks are actually not pursuing Kyrie anymore because they know he's more interested in joining the Nets. So that leaves who? The Knicks, the Clippers, the Lakers, and and the Nets again interested in Kevin Durant still. So, I mean, that's... The Nets are in our division, so it would kind of suck if Kyrie goes it there. Would. Yeah. But I think if it's we can... Say around. we don't resign Tobias... I think if we, if or I should say, say we don't resign Jimmy, say we resign Tobias, that's pretty even. If Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell, their that backcourt would be insane. But I think if we can resign Jimmy, that that still gives the upper hand on them. The one thing I don't want to see is AD Anthony Davis go to the yeah. Boston Celtics. That's that, that I don't. Oh my 
Gosh, no. That would be Ooh. crazy. I'd rather see him just go out to L.A., enjoy himself out there, see him twice a year. Yeah, yeah, go, go out in L.A. It's stupid. Out in LA. Yes, the, the, the Pelicans want Kyle Kuzma in a trade with the Lakers, but the Lakers don't want to give up Kuzma. Yeah, I wouldn't want to give up Kuzma either. I know. <laughs> I know. Kuzma's a great player. But I, I think Kyrie to the to the Nets is yep. you know definitely that's pro- the most realistic. probably going to happen. And, man, that, that'll be fun to watch, that backcourt of D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving. We we're gonna have to see him what four times a year, mm-hmm. which wouldn't be great. But the Nets, hell, the Nets were a pretty good team this year. Yeah. I know they were the six seed, but they, they were. They, they got some good pieces. I said they were an underrated team going into the playoffs, and they are going to continue to build. They are going to be a pain in the rear end for years to come. That's yeah. another division um, opponent for us to have mm-hmm. to worry about. Yeah, definitely. 100%. And, bef- and before we get out of here, I don't want to hear no more rhetoric about Philadelphia fans and how we treat athletes. I don't want to hear it no more. I am just so upset from what the Raptors fans did. You have players telling them to to pipe it down and calm down. Seriously? Everybody. People people in Jurassic Park outside the arena, people inside the arena on the court. Everybody, I, and you saw it. They had the flashback angle. Everybody stood up. Or, excuse me, the flashback angle of camera. And everybody just stood up cheering, pointing at them, clapping. Yeah, that one guy just, uh, jeez. It was I almost sickening. I don't want to hear... Nobody said anything about Philadelphia fans ever again. The announcers were even ne- noticing it. The it's announcers not, were like it, surprised. I mean, look, T, we we've earned our reputation. They're not going to stop talking about us being one of the. But well, first, I, but the reputation is bull. Yeah, we all know that. We we just care more than everyone else. But we're not as bad as people make us out to be. People make us out to be just animals. You throw one snowball at Santa Claus and you're a bad guy for life. Yeah, like what the hell? (laughs) At least we don't laugh at people's injuries as they're getting walked off. A couple side notes here before we we head out of here. I just want to point out, prayers up to David Ortiz. He got shot in the Dominican Republic. One of the, I know growing up watching baseball, one just one of the class act guys around the league. The only Boston athlete I like. Like yeah. honestly, I respect David Ortiz. Around the Boston Marathon time, he came out. Yeah. You know, he he was so, you know, encouraging in how he handled that whole situation around yeah. the city. Yeah. So it just sucks to see that happen to him. He had surgery. They flew him back to Boston. So um, hopefully, he just gets a nice, speedy recovery. One thing I want to point out: just another topic about the women's national team scoring 13 goals in the <laughs> World Cup. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. Quit your complaining. Yeah, they were in the score. Quit your complaining. My coach used to say, "You want somebody to stop cheering? Stop them." I mean, I don't say. I mean, this would if we win this World Cup, it's two in a row. I know the the guy, the soccer around here is not huge, but I, it'd be nice to see the the men's national team play well because you know World Cup around the whole world is it's huge. It's huge. Every it country, is. every country's into it. Mm-hmm. So you know, shout out to Biggest them. That was great. In the world. If yeah. I. If I could just have two minutes of shameless hockey talk. Uh, there you go. It's all you take it away. No, Blues no, yeah. So, so St. Louis, oh, my God. They almost shot themselves in the foot when they they made that newspaper. I hear you. Before game six where they were like, we won the cup, and then they lost 5-1. Jeez. Oh, man, that's irritating. They almost, they almost shot themselves in the foot. They did it in Boston. Ha-ha, screw you, Boston. <laughs> <laughs> the whole crowd around around St. Louis when they lost Game Six was almost. It's like, funny to me oh, too. They were like down. They oh like, yeah, we they, had no shot of winning. Yeah, that they almost. were because I mean honestly, it looked like Boston's championship to lose again. Just freaking Boston, just start losing. Uh, and <laughs> one other thing, there's uh, it's an know, outrage. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's talk about trading Shane Gostas Bear, and the the rumor I'm seeing. Is they want to trade him to Montreal for two guys named Andrew Shaw and Paul Byron? That's not true. Very good. <laughs> if that trade happens, I will come in here when we don't have a show scheduled and yell for a half hour. If that happens, so you're, are you are you only saying that because it's some, you're a big Gossip Bear fan, or these guys aren't? That these guys great? are not good. Okay. This to put it in a Game of Thrones analogy, this is like the Night oh, King trading away two of his foot soldiers for a dragon. Okay. Actually, that big of a difference. <laughs> okay, Philadelphia will love Andrew Shaw because he's a guy who runs around and hits people. He's a he's a goon. As Peter Laviolette once and said, "I'm not putting up with it. Yeah. It's too much horse. <laughs> it's too much." <laughs> okay, Philadelphia will love Andrew Shaw because he's a goon that goes around and hits people, and Paul Byron is a guy who can maybe get 12 goals a year. It, trading Shane Gostas Bear away, that that like I said, that's like the Night King trading away two foot soldiers for a dragon, like. Nah, screw that noise. Anyway, listen, I, I, I'm, you know me, Chris. I can talk some flowers with you here and there, but I think that if we trade away Gossip Bear, because I've never been the biggest Gossip Bear fan, to be honest with you, I feel like 
I feel like if we can get talent back from him or for him. This I is not say. talent though. This is these are two plugs that know how to skate. I know, but I, like, <laughs> we had this conversation earlier, man. We need to get our, no. Our, okay, well, that's another thing. I wish I could argue with you. Look, we've been saving ass. We've been getting assets since 2014. I'm sick of. Gathering assets, getting draft picks. All right, we've been doing it since 2014. I think we need to rebuild. I told you just we need to rebuild. We've been rebuilding since 2014. We we are loaded in the minor leagues. I want to point out to you that the 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 St. Louis Blues were in dead last place on January 3rd. Yeah, they sure were. And they came back and and they they brought up some goofy Jordan, the head coach of the St. Louis Blues, is now a Stanley Cup. Everybody who leaves the Flyers just goes into the Cup. They they everybody they brought up some goon named. Jordan Bennington, who suddenly just happened to be a good goalie. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I know. Boots to asses. There's like 16 names I saw that, like, the Flyers, like, got rid of, and now they're Stanley Cup yeah, champions. Yeah, Braden Shen. Chemo team in it a couple years ago, too. All right, fellas. It's about damn time. Backstreet Sports, every Thursday, 11 to noon, over the summer. We'll see you next week. Thackerportfolio.wordpress.com. That's right. Visit that site. You big dummy.